Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. We're going to look at Hebrews 10 tonight, verses 35 through 36, and also Matthew 26, verses 36 through 46. How many got a Bible with you? Come on, if you got a Bible, would you wave it in the air like you just do care? Awesome. Come on. Good, good stuff. Hebrews chapter 10, starting at verse 35. When you're ready to read it, say, yeah. Yeah. If you need some time to find it, say, hold up. All right, I'll give you some time. (laughs) Hebrews, Hebrews. Verse 35 of Hebrews chapter 10 says, So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Isn't that good stuff? Matthew 26, verses 36 through 46, an awesome narrative here in the life of Jesus. And it says, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. How many know when Jesus prays something, you should pay attention to that prayer? I love this prayer because honestly, this is what I call the Lord's prayer. I know we call that one prayer, our father who art in heaven. That's the Lord's prayer. In actuality, that was him doing a teaching to his disciples on prayer. John 17, we see him pray, but that's really him interceding that we would be one. But this is one of the times we get to eavesdrop into the intimate prayer of Jesus. Listen to what he prays. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you man keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing. Ooh, but that flesh is so weak. He went away a second time and prayed. This is the second time he's praying this. My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Three times Jesus prays this prayer about a cup, a cup that he wanted to pass. He keeps talking about this cup, this cup. Somebody say cup, cup, cup. Jake, could you bring me that, that cup of water? Thank you, Jake. You're a good man. You didn't put any poison in this, did you? <laughs> nothing, nothing in this. This is good. I, I wanted Jake to bring me this cup because the context of this cup in biblical antiquity comes from what just happened. Anytime you wanted to assassinate a king, you would put poison in the king's cup. And just like I just took the cup and just didn't even check it, just drank it, all of a sudden the king would drink the cup. And before you know it, the poison would kill him and the king would die. You understand that the power was putting the poison in the cup without the king knowing there was poison there. 
What then do we say of a king who knew there was poison in the cup, yet he chose to drink it anyway? That king would have to be confident in the fact that death was not going to have the final say. Come on, somebody. That king would have to be confident under pressure. I want to preach tonight for six hours, three minutes, and 28 seconds from the title Cup. Cup. That's my title tonight. Cup. Confidence under pressure. This is going to be good. Look at your neighbor. Get in their face. Get in their personal space and say, neighbor, you need a cup. You need confidence under pressure. Just in case that neighbor was stuck up, find another neighbor. Find another neighbor. Come on, say, other neighbor. You need a cup. You need confidence under pressure. If you believe God's going to speak, would you give him some praise up in here tonight? Ooh, let's pray before we go into this word. Would you bow your heads? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence I sense here tonight. Holy Spirit, speak to us. We've not gathered here out of religious routine. We've not come tonight to be entertained. We have come to be drastically changed. Speak to us so clearly. And when we leave, let us say it was so good to have been in the presence of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Live in two minutes, Your Royal Highness. Sir? Good afternoon. This is the BBC National Programme and Empire Service, taking you to Wembley Stadium for the closing ceremony of the Empire Exhibition. Where His Royal Highness, the Duke of York, will read a message from his father, His Majesty King George V. Fifty-eight British colonies and dominions have taken part, making this the largest exhibition staged anywhere in the world. Remember, sir, three flashes, then steady red means your life. And today, His Royal Highness, the Duke of York, will give his inaugural broadcast to the nation and the world.
for Mrs. Majesty. Under pressure. Let's just do a little survey real quick. How many would say by a showing of hands that you perform well under pressure? Can I see your hand? You perform well under pressure. Okay, awesome. Put it down. How many say, uh-uh, not me. I do not do good when I am under pressure. Let me see your hand. Awesome, awesome. We just separated the champions from the chokers. Um, no, I'm playing, I'm playing. Um, the, the clip I just showed you, the clip I just showed you is from one of my favorite movies in all the world, The King's Speech. The King's Speech. Actor Colin Firth brilliantly portrays the life of King George VI of the United Kingdom, a man who in the 1930s desperately did not want to be king, but circumstances and purpose pushed him into the position, and just the weight of that public position exposed a private battle with a stutter, a stammer that would occur in his speech every time he was under pressure. And I'll be honest with you, when I first saw that movie in theaters, I cried like a little baby. Then I bought the movie on Blu-ray, DVD, and VHS, watched it again, and cried like a baby. Because that opening scene, that opening scene when he's walking down the corridor and he steps up to the microphone with his lips parched, his palms sweaty, his heart pulsating with trembling fear and trepidation and the entire audience turns around and looks at him with tiptoe anticipation with eyes that say what do you have to say and he sucks in for air that is how I feel every time I grab the microphone to preach every time I grab the microphone to preach that is exactly how I feel Ooh, I'm telling you now don't get me wrong I hide it well I hide it well because sometimes you got to fake it till you make it but I'm telling you the pressure of being in this position you don't see your face when I'm up here preaching that is how I feel every time I get ready to preach because the difference between standing up there and sitting right here woo, is pressure. Pressure. You don't believe me? What's your name? Adam. Ladies and gentlemen, I am so excited to announce next Sunday night right here at Free Chapel we have a special guest speaker that's going to share the word of God. His name is Adam. He'll be preaching at 9.30, 11.30 a new message at 6 p.m. Please give it up for Adam. <laughs> He's about to pass out right now. Y'all don't even see his face. People, the pressure, the pressure to preach. You understand that it is a statistical fact that the number one, the number one human fear is public speaking. Death is number two. People, that means when given the option, when given the option to speak at a funeral or have a funeral, 
Most people say, give me the casket. Give me the casket. I would rather have my arms like this than I have my arms like this. The, the pressure, the pressure is real, especially when you preach the gospel. Because when you are preaching, understand this is not a cute public speech. This is not a nice little talk. Whenever you stand behind that pulpit, you are serendipitously and subliminally suggesting to us that you have positioned yourself deep in the presence of God. Put your ear to the heart beat of heaven so when you open up your mouth to preach or speak you're not saying what you want to say but you are speaking on the behalf of the preeminent pre-existent all-powerful omnipotent all-knowing all-seeing mighty God no pressure and the weight of that who is a whole lot of pressure now this will be a bad time to leave the message early because you'll say man what was Robert talking about he just complained about the pressure of preaching the entire time no because the reason I rose to my feet to preach tonight because I'm fully aware there are people in this room under the sound of my voice who will lift up their hand and say hey Robert I'm not a preacher and I'm not a public speaker but please believe I am under an intense amount of pressure have you ever felt pressure I'm telling you that if the thoughts in this room could go on speakerphone, you would be shocked at the pressure that the person sitting next to you is under. I'm telling you, if pressure could go public tonight, you would be shocked at the weight of pressure that some people are dealing with in this room tonight. Have you ever felt pressure? Come on, we're just talking tonight. Have you ever felt pressure? Pressure to perform. Pressure to meet a deadline. Pressure to respond to the emails that are piling up. Pressure to return the phone call. Pressure to be a better husband. Pressure to be a better wife. Pressure to be a better parent. Pressure to meet people's expectations. Pressure to meet people's unrealistic expectations. Pressure to meet your own expectations. Have you ever felt pressure? Pressure can come from the silliest of things. Come on, am I the only one last week or two weeks ago who almost choked your child in a field of blue bonnets just trying to get one good picture for Easter? Saying, can you just be still so we can get one? One good pressure to post that Pinterest perfect picture on Instagram, not for the memory, but for social media. Because, you know, everybody else's family was going to be perfectly positioned and they pretty pastels. And you had to get your picture too. Pressure. Have you ever felt pressure? Pressure. Pressure. Pressure to get married. You still single? Pressure to get divorced. You still with him? pressure to have children i sure would like some grandchildren one day no it's fine but i sure would like some in this life pressure i'm talking about pressure pressure can come from anywhere pressure to be a perfect parent pressure on children and you go to school and you got all the peer pressure i'm talking about pressure you understand that pressure ladies and gentlemen is not prejudice pressure is not sexist pressure doesn't care how much money you got in the bank or how little money you got in the bank Pressure will hit every person everywhere. It will affect any person. Pressure will hit the CEO in a boardroom. It will hit the junior higher in the classroom. I'm wondering if you know what it's like to feel pressure. Pressure, pressure. And I felt like this message tonight was vitally important for everybody in this room because the reality is every person in this room has a call from God on your life. Who I hope you know that. You have a calling. You have a calling, a unique calling. And here's what I know. The enemy cannot touch your calling. Who 
he can't touch your calling. You can stop sweating about that. The enemy cannot touch your calling. He can't get your calling. However, he can get your confidence. And if he gets your confidence, he'll get your calling. And the way the enemy gets your confidence is through pressure. Pressure, hear me, is the litmus test for confidence. That's the real question. It's not can you perform. It's can you perform when you are under pressure. That's what separates the good from the great. I, I know you can make a 40-yard field goal. I know you could do it at practice. But could you make it at the Super Bowl when there's 100,000 people in the stands and 100 million people watching online? Could you make the field goal then? Ooh, I, I know you real good at putt-putt golf. Yeah, you can make that little 15-yard putt, but could you make it at the Masters when there's so many people? What the pressure, the pressure is real. Let me bring the text to the you because you're not, you don't play sports. I, I, I know, I know you could be excited about your marriage when your spouse gets a raise and everything's going great and there's money in the bank and your kids are doing awesome at school. But could you be happy about your marriage when your spouse loses that job, when your money is funny, your change is strange, you got more bills than you got in come and your kids are acting cray cray and are struck out on drugs can you be excited about the marriage i know you can worship when you feel good in your body and you got your health look at you you drove yourself to church today but could you worship when the cancer is spreading when the tumor is getting larger could you still worship tonight if we had to wheel you in on a wheelchair could you still lift up your hands and declare he's a good god he's a great god even though i don't feel good i'm a pressure Oh, pressure. Pressure will show whether you believe in the promise of God. I know your faith is fine when God sends you flowers. But how is your faith when you got a fiery furnace in front of you? Could you say like the three Hebrew boys who looked at the fiery furnace and said, guess what? Our God can deliver us. Our God will deliver us. And even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow down. Because my praise is not predicated on the amount of pressure you put on me. As a matter of fact, you can turn up the furnace because the pressure is producing something in me that's greater. I got confidence <laughs> under pressure. Slap your neighbor and say, you need a cup. You need confidence under pressure. Hear me, I, I think this message is so important because, hear me, I think pressure mounts up for Christians more than any other group of people on the planet. For Christians, for a couple of reasons. First of all, because how many of you know we have a real enemy? Satan is real. You have a real enemy who hates you, who despises you. Just the fact that you were made in the image of God puts you on the hit list of hell. He cannot stand you because you took his job. You took his position. Come on, anybody ever had to work with somebody that you had the position they used to have? Come on, every time you walk into work, they're looking at you like, mm, whatever. That's Satan. He hates you. He can't stand you every time he sees you. So he does use external circumstances and all kinds of evil activity to bring pressure on your life. So that's one reason. But I also think that pressure mounts up for Christians because for whatever reasons, Christians feel so much pressure to pretend like everything is okay. Oh, Christians are the only people on planet Earth that feel this undue pressure to make sure they feel good all the time, that they're always good. Praise the Lord. Yes, God is just wonderful, ain't it? Christians are the only people that can be going through hell. And you'll go up to them and say, hey, how are you? And they'll say, God is good all the time. You want to look at them and say, I know God is good all the time. I asked, are you good? 
Oh, I'm telling you, we feel this pressure to act like everything is okay. In fact, I'm going to do something that's going to be liberating for somebody tonight. Would you do me a favor? Let's say this Christian cliche. Would you look at the person next to you and say, neighbor? Come on, look at them. Say, neighbor. God is good all the time. Say, all the time. God is good. Now look at that same neighbor and say, neighbor. Newsflash. I'm not God. Oh, doesn't that feel good right there? Oh, he is good all the time, but I am not good all the time. Sometimes I get annoyed. Sometimes I get frustrated. Sometimes I get tired. Sometimes I get ticked off. Sometimes I don't feel like lifting up my hands. Sometimes I don't even want to tell my neighbor anything because I don't want to talk to you. Sometimes I want to speak in a tongue that needs no interpretation. Sometimes I'm under, I'm under pressure. Don't act crazy with me today. Don't push me because I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my <laughs> Like a jungle sometimes. Sometimes I want to hide. No, no, no. Pressure. Pressure. Pressure is real. What do you do? What do you do when you're under an intense amount of pressure? I was studying this text and so many illustrations started coming to me and I started thinking about something that is in every single person's car that was made, watch this, after 2007. In your car and your tire, to be specific, is something called TPMS. It's a tire pressure monitoring system. And the reason they put that in cars is because in the 90s, Firestone ran into a problem where so many tires began to blow out on the road. In fact, hundreds of people lost their lives because all these tires began blowing up. So they implemented under the Tread Act TPMS. Every car has to have a system that monitors the air pressure that is in your tire. And I don't know much about cars, so I thought that whenever a tire exploded, it was because there was too much air in the tire. And the weight hit the tire, and all of a sudden, because there's so much air in it like a balloon, it would pop. And that happens, but in actuality, the reason most tires blow out is because there is not enough pressure in the tire and when the weight of what the car is carrying can't be balanced with the amount of pressure that's in the tire all of a sudden you get a blowout interestingly enough that is the same definition of burnout whenever the requirement level of you is more than the resources available to you you begin to burn out because of the pressure so watch this this is the paradox of pressure because if you don't have enough pressure it can actually stop you from getting to your destination but if you have too much pressure, it can stop you from getting to your destination as well. So the challenge is to get the perfect amount of pressure that will push you into your destiny. I'm preaching better than y'all are talking at here today. Isn't it funny that not having enough pressure can actually stop you from getting to your destiny? And some of you in this room tonight are not in the place that God has for you, not because your life is too complex, but because your life is too comfortable. Yeah, you don't have enough pressure. Every once in a while, you need to thank God for pressure because there is a healthy amount of pressure that produces perseverance on the inside of you that will help you handle the weight of life. It's not the weight. It's you just need to get your pressure up. How many know pressure will make you pray? Pressure will make you humble. You can't be stuck up when you're under pressure. You empathize with other people when you're under pressure. And that is the challenge of life, to find the right amount of pressure because isn't it interesting that the TPMS system in your car it will let you know when there's not enough pressure but it won't let you know when there is too much pressure so how do you know when the pressure is too much have you ever felt like the pressure was too much 
I love this verse in Corinthians. The Apostle Paul had a candid moment when he felt like the pressure was too much. Can we put that up in 2 Corinthians where Paul talks about the pressure? He says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters. That's Paul's way of saying, don't get it twisted. <laughs> about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. He says, so that we despaired of life itself. That's Paul, the person that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, saying there was a moment where the pressure felt like it was too much. A few weeks ago, this nation paused to celebrate, really commemorate, rather, the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King. And what a lot of people who celebrate Dr. King's life don't know about his death is that although Dr. King died at the tender age of 39, when they did the autopsy on his body, it showed that he had the heart of a 60-year-old. And doctors concluded it was because of the amount of pressure and stress that he was under while he was living. Isn't that crazy? That pressure, pressure aged his heart twice the time of his body because of the amount of pressure. And yet with all that pressure on the last night of his life, when he gave the last speech he would ever give in a prophetic way, he says these words. He says, like anybody... I would love to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But he says, I'm not worried about that now. I just want to do the will of God. He says, I've been to the mountaintop and I've seen the promised land. Then he really tunes up and he says, I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Then he drops the mic and just walks away. How do you do that? How do you give a speech like that with a 60-year-old heart? That is confidence under pressure. So real quick, I want, to give you, I want to give you four things, four things in five minutes, four things that you have to have if you're going to have confidence under pressure. Number one, you're going to have confidence under pressure. You have to have a preview, a preview, a preview. You got to have a preview. See, this is the other thing that frustrates me as, as a moviegoer is when you are a real moviegoer, like a for real movie person, it frustrates you to go with people to the movies who aren't real moviegoers. My wife, okay? Because when you are a real moviegoer, you know that if the movie starts at 7 o'clock, you need to be at the movie at 6.30, okay? Because you need time to get in line, get your popcorn, tell them, oh, don't fill it up all the way, put it just at a level, get your butter, shake, 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 put some more butter, shake it up, get your coke, get to your seat at about 6.58, and then, whoop, there's the preview. You can watch the preview, and it's frustrating for people who don't care, because they're like, why are we here so early? This is just, 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 just previews. What do you mean, just previews? These are big, I want to see the previews, because the only thing going better, better than going to see a movie is going to see what movie you're going to see next while you're seeing a movie. That's why I want to see the previews. You need the previews. The previews are the only thing you have to hold on to until the premiere date. Oh, and sometimes a preview can come out way, way before the premiere. It'll tell you summer 2050 and then show you the preview. And all up until 2050, you just watching the preview saying, I cannot wait for Black Panther 54 to come out. I cannot wait. The 
preview, you got to hold on to the preview until the premiere date. And can I tell you, that's what God does. He is the greatest motion picture developer. He will give you a preview of your purpose, a preview of your destiny. And you got to hold on to the preview when the pressure is mounting up. Oh, God will get, has God ever given you a preview of your purpose, what he's going to do in your life? All throughout history, he gives people previews. Abraham got a preview. He said, look at the stars. You see how many stars are up there? That's how I'm going to make your descendants. And here's Abraham, a senior citizen trying to put his teeth in, but still preparing a nursery. Because it took a while for the premiere date to show up. And when the pressure was mounting, he had to hold on to the preview. You remember Joseph? Joseph got a preview. God said, I am going to make you a ruler over your brothers. But it took a long time for the premiere date to show up. He got accused of something he didn't do, was in the prison, but ultimately rose up to the palace. But he had to hold on to the preview. When the pressure was mounting, God will give you a preview. What did Dr. King say? He said, I'm not worried tonight because mine eyes have seen the coming of the glory of the Lord. He said, I saw something that helped me when the pressure was mounting. You understand in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus had a preview. He had a preview to hold on to. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 tell you, tells you Jesus' preview. It says, for the joy that was set before him. By the way, you were that joy. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising his shame. He had a preview of relationship with you. And that's what helped him when he was under pressure. Number two, number two, you're going to have confidence under pressure. You need a place. You need a place. You need a place, hear me, where you can shut everything down and you can connect with God and God can connect with you. You got to have a place where you meet with your heavenly father. As a matter of fact, the place is where you often get the preview. Do you have a place where God can connect with you and you can connect with God? See, if you just read, uh, let's see, Matthew and Mark's version of Jesus, you will think that Jesus was under pressure. And all of a sudden, he just stumbled on the Garden of Gethsemane. And so he just picked that place to pray. That is not the case at all. Luke actually tells us something in his account that if you read it real fast, you'll miss the power of the text. It says, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. Back that thing up to the first verse again of Luke. It says, Jesus went out as usual. In other words, this was not Jesus' first time to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. He had been there before. Jesus is saying, I'm not waiting for the pressure in life to mount up for me to find a secret place to go pray. He says, no, I already got a place that I'm going to connect with God, whether there's pressure in my life at all. Oh, come on, somebody. There is a difference between finding a place when the pressure shows up and already having a place regardless of the pressure. You need a place with God before the pressure shows up. Prayer shouldn't be your last resort. Prayer should be your first resort to say, God, I just want to connect with you in our place. You understand there's a difference between being a 911 believer. That means God only hears from you when you got an emergency. And being a Psalm 911 believer. Ooh, 
Come on, where my Bible people at? You know what Psalm 91.1 says. It says, he who dwells, who dwells, who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He is my strength. God says, if you'll just find a place regardless, I got protection for people who have a place before the pressure. Ooh, I'm telling you, if you'll find a place, you'll be confident when the pressure hits you. How many know it's not enough just to have a place? Because the Bible says something interesting too in Matthew's account that I want us to look at. Can we look at this verse in Matthew? I'm almost done. I got the show time with the Apollo music playing. I'm almost done. Watch. <laughs> it says, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. Next verse. He took Peter. And the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Did you read what we just read? Jesus is with all of his crew, the disciples. He says, y'all come with me. And as they're walking to the place, he says, oh, pause. Peter, James, John, you three, come with me. They start walking. Peter, James, John, you three, come with me. Can you see the other disciples? Uh, Jesus, you want us to come? No, you heard me. Peter, James, John, you three, come with me. Can you hear Thomas? Uh, Jesus, you sure you don't want us to go with you? No? Peter, James, I love all of you. I really do. I love you all. I know you love me. I even love Judas who's hating on me right now and betraying me. But for this moment, Peter, James, and John, you three come with me. See, Jesus is teaching us a powerful principle. He says, when you are under pressure, you don't just need a preview. You don't just need a place. But watch this. When the pressure becomes greater, your circle has got to get smaller. Oh, come on, somebody. When the pressure in your life gets greater, your circle's got to get smaller. You need people. You need the right people around you when you are under pressure. Some of you, your circle is too big and you're under too much pressure and you got all these voices coming towards you. Minimize your circle when the pressure gets greater. You need the right people around you. He said, Peter, James, and John, you three, come with me. Because when the pressure becomes greater, your circle's got to get smaller. What people around you when you are under pressure? You want confidence under pressure? In the word confidence is the word confide. Who are you confiding with when you are under pressure? You can't confide with everybody when you are under pressure. Because watch this, you are not yourself when you're under pressure. Oh, come on, somebody. You are vulnerable when you are under pressure. When you are under pressure, you are not yourself. Give us some scripture for that. I'll give you some scripture. How is it that the same Jesus, the same Jesus who was asleep in a hurricane, a hurricane, and the disciples were waking him up saying, Jesus, don't you care we're about to die? Is now the same Jesus who's going to wake up his disciples saying, don't y'all care I'm about to die? This is the same Jesus. The comforter now needs some comforting because you know what? There is a difference between a hurricane hitting your boat and a hurricane hitting your heart. When you're under pressure, make sure you have the right people around you. Because if you have the wrong people around you, you can have people who will prostitute your moment under pressure because you're vulnerable and they will use it for their own benefit. Hashtag Samson. 
who confided in Delilah when he was under pressure and she prostituted his moment under pressure and used it for her own gain. Be careful the people around you when you're under pressure. There's a culture in saying, never let them see you sweat. That's cultural, it's not biblical. Because you just read that Jesus was sweating drops of blood. Jesus says, no, you can let them see you sweat. Just make sure it's the right them. Because if you have the wrong people around you, it's difficult when you're under pressure. Last point, let me tell you this. Although Jesus had the right people around him, which is awesome, how many know he didn't have the most dependable people around him? He, he shows us you got to have the right crew, the right people, but did you see what these dudes were doing in the one moment Jesus needed them? You almost want to look at Peter, James, and John be like, really, dudes? The one time Jesus needed you, the one time he's trying to lean on you, and you're talking about... You dead? I say, come on, man. But Jesus is teaching us an awesome principle. And although you need the right people, ultimately people cannot be your source of power when you're under pressure. How many of you know you can rely on people, but ultimately you got to know that people are not your source of power. You got to have another source of power when you are under pressure. Oh, come on. How many of you are thankful that God gives you another source of power when you're under pressure? See, this is important because when you know you need the right people, but ultimately this is a picture of humanity, people will go to sleep on you. Then you can start stop getting your hopes up and be cool when people fall asleep on you and say, that's fine. I'm thankful you are with me, but ultimately my true power is not coming from you. I got supernatural power when I'm under pressure, so I'm glad you're with me. I hope you can roll with me while you can, but ultimately I have another source of power that is not found in men, it's found in God. This is important because when you know that he is your ultimate source of power, you can start letting people off the hook that let you down and say, you were never my source of power in the first place. I got a source of power that you don't know nothing about. It is supernatural power that I hold on to when I'm under pressure. Last verse, I'm done, but can I show you where the power worship team joined me? Let me show you something else about this power. Now, I have to admit that last verse in Luke, I have to admit, I never saw this in all my years of preaching. In all my years of studying the Bible, what I'm about to read before you now in Luke 22, Jesus says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Next verse, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. Next verse, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Would you back that thing up to verse 43? It says an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. People, I hope you don't lose respect for me as a preacher, but all my years of reading, somehow I, hope I missed this whole angel showing up to Jesus in the middle of the garden. Like, I, I went to Bible college. I am a seminary dropout. But somehow I missed this angel showing up in the garden of God. Like, where did this angel show up from? I'm mad at Mel Gibson. No, for real, I'm so mad because I watched the passion of Christ. 
And I didn't see nowhere in the garden of Gethsemane an angel show up and strengthen Jesus before he started. I saw that little devil looking thing with the bald head and no eyebrows. I saw the snake in the garden. Where did the angel show up and strengthen Jesus? See, I was so busy looking at the drops of blood like sweat that I missed the whole angel showing up and strengthening Jesus. I go, God, how did I see the sweats of blood but I missed the strength that came from the angel? And God said, that's just like my people. Some of you are so quick to look at the sweat that you missed the fact you got some strength that was coming to you. You're so busy looking at the people that walked away from you, you don't understand that you're still standing, that you're still here. You're so busy looking at the sweat, you forgot that an angel was holding you up in those moments you were under pressure. Look at you. You still got your right mind. You're still lifting up your hands because God sent an angel to strengthen you. Oh, come on, somebody give God some praise tonight if you're thankful for the supernatural strength that comes from the Lord. Hallelujah. You were so busy looking at the sweat, you didn't even realize that God gave you strength. You were so busy looking at what you lost, you didn't even see what you still have just so busy worrying about all the pressure and all the stress and how am I going to pay these bills and God you don't see this and look at you you still gaining weight because you still eating three meals a day God's still providing for you even though your bank account going down your belly getting bigger because you're still eating he's giving you strength man I know in my own life sometimes I'm so quick to look at the sweat and the pressure that I miss the strength I'm telling you, you got supernatural strength. You don't even realize yet. Don't focus on the sweat. Focus on the strength that you're still standing, that you're still here. You can have confidence under pressure. I'm going to ask every head be bowed. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.